Well, um, thanks. That was fun. Thanks, Bacon and Eggs. I guess we'll see more of them. They're going to hang out a lot with our children at our Wake Up Kids Conference, which runs alongside of um, our, our conference. So we're really excited about that. I want to get into the message now today. Um, and I'm going to read with you a large passage of scripture to start the message. And I want us to look at this story. So if you have your Bible, you do. There's one in the pew if you need it. We're going to look at Acts chapter 10. And we're going to read the first 20 Yes, 20 verses. And um, as we read that, um, you can follow along on the screens if you prefer. But I want to look at these verses with you because there's a story here of awakening. That's our theme this whole month. I want you to be introduced to a very ordinary person. Now, now he, he, he carried a heavy role, but he's a lot like you and me. He's a lot like many of us here. We're going to really look at two particular characters. One is um, the Apostle Peter who walked with Jesus. We're going to hear his part of his story. And the other one is a man named Cornelius who was a centurion. And so um, a centurion was a soldier who was in charge of a hundred men, kind of like a captain in the army, but he was only called a centurion when he was home. When he was away on battle, he had a different name, but when he was home, he, when he was resting, he was known as a centurion. And so I want you to read with me these first 20 verses. I'll give a little commentary as we go through it. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. So I told you what a centurion was. I'll tell you where Caesarea is. Caesarea was on the coast. It was um, north of of, um, Tel Aviv, modern day Tel Aviv, north of a place called Joppa, which is where Peter is at at this particular time. And this city was built by Herod to honor the Caesar. That's why it's called Caesarea. It's a beautiful port city. Um, It's still there. The port sunk. It's in the water. But you can still see the remains. Many of us who went to Israel together would have seen that. It's a wonderful, beautiful archaeological site now. And um, so it's still there. Okay? So that's where Cornelius lived. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Verse 9. About noon the following day, As they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Verse 13. Then a voice told him, and if your, your Bible should have these next words in red, because it's actually the voice of Jesus speaking to Peter. Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, I, and I'm being serious here, I, I don't want to offend any vegans or vegetarians in the room. 
I'm being serious. I don't want you to check out and feel like the Bible's not relevant to where you're at in life because it's not really about eating reptiles, okay? We're going to get to the point. So, so everybody stay with me. Let's keep leaning into what's being said here. Peter responds as any good Jew would respond because the Jews don't eat these kind of animals. These are forbidden. And according to their customs and their laws, they would never eat such animals. So verse 14, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time and it should be in red again in your Bible. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now I'm going to keep reading, but before I get to the next part, let me just give you a principle that really plays out here and also in your life. And that's that the Bible, Jesus, gives commands. And the Holy Spirit then gives direction and application. Let me say that again. Jesus will often give a command, but then the Holy Spirit comes along in the life of a believer and gives direction and application, and that's what we're about to see. So we just heard the command, get up, kill and eat. The second part of the command, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. And now we're going to get to the context and why that second part of the phrase is most important. The first part that Jesus said was to get his attention and to jog him out of his ritualistic life. The second part, don't call anything impure that God has made clean, is really the point. Let's read verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Verse 19. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, now this won't be in red because this is the Spirit speaking, not Jesus. Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. This is a really, really important story for you and for me. And I'm going to help you understand why as we walk through it. But what I want you to see here is two distinct visions that came. Two distinct experiences with God that came. Peter fell into a trance. And when you say trance, what the, what the Bible's actually meaning here is it was a God-inspired, elevated state where he could hear something and understand something straight from God. With Cornelius, I mean, he's a soldier, He's, he doesn't understand all that there is to understand that Peter does. So an angel, probably with a sword, shows up and speaks a commanding direction to him, which he gets. His response then is do what commanders do, send people to follow the orders. So God appears to both of them in the way that he needed to in order to get their attention. So let me now digress for just a moment. Have you ever had an experience that you are, you know, kind of in the middle of that experience, you're asking yourself, how in the world did this happen? Now, I'm talking about a good experience. I mean, I've had experiences in my life where I'd say, I have no business having this experience. How many have ever wanted to have an experience and you thought, I just, I just don't think I'll ever have that kind of an experience? I mean, we all have kind of dreams out there. Boy, it'd be really neat to do this and do that. You know, sometimes we can't do it because of money. Sometimes it's about access. 
We don't have the right relationships to leverage in order to make that happen for ourselves. Maybe it's about credentials. I don't have the right credentials in order to get that kind of a job or live in that kind of place or do that kind of a thing, right? So there are often there are roadblocks, but for many of us, we could say there's something that we've wanted to experience that we have no capacity to experience on our own. Kind of like Cornelius and Peter. They didn't have the capacity on their own to bring their worlds together, but God was up to something, wasn't he? Well, in my life, I had an experience that I had no business having this last week. I told you I was in Toronto, and um, when I'm in Toronto, I have some friends that I try to look up, and one in particular is pastor of a church in Toronto, and, and he and I, through the, the playoffs last year, we just kept talking about the Raptors. We were texting back and forth, Toronto Raptors are still today the reigning champs for the whole year, all right? We're going to own it all year long, go Raptors, all right? So I'm a huge Raptors fan, and um, my friend is a Raptors fan, and he said, sometimes I can get tickets. And I said, man, I'm coming to Toronto, here for the conference, do you want to go to a game? Here's the dates that would work. He goes, let me look into it. And so then, friends, he texts me back, and he says, sometimes I can get really good tickets. And I just happened to get the two seats behind Drake. And I said, this is God's plan. <laughs> Definitely God's plan. And so, so anyway, so I had no business getting these tickets. I had no business sitting courtside. In fact, I think there's a picture of me that someone snapped from TV. There I am. That look on my face, I had it the whole game, friends. What am I doing here? Are you serious? It was awesome. I had no business being there. In fact, my, here's how it worked. My friend who you see in the picture, Jonathan, the bald guy, he's the pastor in Toronto. And he has a brother who owns a hedge fund. Who, has, who had a lawyer as a client who owed him a favor. And so he said, I want those two tickets for that game for my brother. And, and the lawyer said, no, 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 you can't have those tickets. I mean, those like are like, those are great tickets. And he said, yeah, but you owe me. And so I had no business being at that game. But somehow, in the providence of God's goodness, I was there to cheer the Raptors on to victory. My friend and I, Lisa uh, PVR'd the game, and every time they ran up and down the court, she said, you two are the new super fan, you know, because every time it's up and down the court, here I am cheering and standing, I'm thinking about all these guys who paid a lot of money for their tickets, and I'm standing up in their way cheering, you know. The two bozos who didn't, be didn't belong there were cheering their faces off. I had a great time, never been at a game that went by so fast. But the point is, really, if I'm going to make a transition from my story to our story today, it's, I didn't have any business being there, and there was no way that I could have made that happen for myself. And what the story we're reading about is about Cornelius and Peter, who had no capacity to make the encounters that they experienced happen. Absolutely no ability to do that. God set it up. God sent Peter to Joppa first in order to heal, uh, to actually to resurrect a dead woman named Tabitha, also known as Dorcas. And she was raised from the dead in Joppa, and that's why Peter was there. And so God brought Peter to Joppa. God visited both men in very unique ways. God was bringing these men's worlds together, but why? What's the point? Was it just for a great moment, like me at the Raptors? I mean, I don't have tickets for next week's game. That's it, right? Was it just for the moment? Was it just so that we could have something to read on this Sunday morning from the Bible? Is that what this story is all about? 
I'm convinced that it was not just a moment, but it was the beginning of a movement. And I want to express to you what I believe about that. You see, I want to explain to you that I believe God was literally writing my future, writing your future, when he brought these two men together. This is an encounter that shaped the gospel. This is an encounter that shapes your world more than you understand. Because the rest of the story is this. Peter does go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius tells him the story about the angel. Peter says, I had a vision, and so now I know i got to be here. And so he begins to preach the gospel. And as he preaches the gospel, he gives them a a two-verse synopsis that Jesus came uh, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And then he begins to talk about the resurrection of Jesus and how he was raised from the dead in Acts chapter 10. And then right there in the middle of it, what happens is the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius, his whole family, and everybody that was gathered, all his friends that came together. The Bible says that he had a bunch of close friends that were there as well. And the Holy Spirit falls on all of them, the Bible says, and they begin to speak in tongues and worship God. And so Peter's standing there with some of the guys that came with him from Joppa, and they're looking at each other, and they say, well, we can't really keep these guys from being baptized in water. I mean, the Holy Spirit has fallen on them. So the same experience that they had had in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came, now these guys are having it, but here's the deal. They shouldn't have it. Peter shouldn't even have gone to that house. The only reason why Peter went there is because Jesus gave a command that says, don't call something unclean that I've made clean. All of a sudden, it's not about reptiles, friends. It's about people. It's about people. And so what happens in this moment is this was the final straw that broke the back of ceremonial religion. This is the ending point. This is where it's all done. It's now about the work of Christ and the plan of God for the whole entire world, for every people group, for every person, for every language, for every nation. It's not about a small group of people in Palestine. It's about the birth of a worldwide movement that we, friends, are a part of. That's powerful. It's exciting. And so that's what we're reading about today. That's what we're learning about. And so Peter then, in Acts 11, goes and begins to talk to those in Jerusalem, the apostles. And he begins to share with them about what happened. He tells them the story about his vision. He tells them the story about what happened with Cornelius. What am I supposed to do? We baptize them in water. There, there, there is no illegitimate children in God's kingdom. This is what God's up to. You know, some scholars believed that Cornelius was wrestling with the idea of being circumcised and becoming a Jew so that he could have access to Jesus. And God said, none of that. We're doing away with all that. And so what, what happened in this moment is those who were gathered there, the apostles, this is what they said after they heard what Peter said. So then, even to Gentiles, meaning non-Jews, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Friends, I got to tell you, that statement alone rocked the world of the apostles and changed everything. Hands off. Hands off. It's no longer about us. There's no controls here. There's no mechanism that has to do with religion any longer. It's all about Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the world. And because of that movement, the result... Just a few weeks ago, I talked about Antioch, about this church in that third largest city in the Roman world, and about how the Christians came in and they messed everything up. That's where, that's where they just, they started gathering and all different kinds of groups were coming together under Christ. And see, that multicultural reality couldn't have happened without Acts chapter 10. 
The reason why Acts 11 happened is because Acts 10 happened, and it changed everything. That's a spiritual awakening, friends. It changes everything. Cornelius' life was transformed, but it wasn't just about Cornelius. It wasn't about his moment. It was about a movement. And I'm convinced that God wants to meet you. I'm convinced, never been more convinced of it, that God wants to take a moment or a series of moments in your life, and that's all it takes with him. And he wants to begin a transforming work that becomes a movement in your life. He wants you to be caught up in his great movement. He has something for you. He has a plan. He wants to move. All it takes is a moment. God is up to something. And listen, a moment can become a movement. It can be true in your life as it was for Cornelius. And I want you to know, you need a moment. You need a moment with God that sparks a movement in your life. You need that. You know, we have a tendency to isolate our moments. We really do. I mean, this is just a human thing. You know, we isolate our moments. And imagine if Cornelius would have done that. What if Cornelius would have isolated the moments and thought, as I'm praying here, wow, it's so cool. I saw an angel. I should like write a book or something about this. You know, I, wow, I should go tell some people about it. No, no, no. The point was not, that, was not the moment, but that that moment led to the next moment, which led to the next moment. So from angel to Peter to gospel to Holy Spirit to baptism to worldwide movement, his moments became a movement, and we all long for an undeniable movement of God. We want to see God move. We talk about it all the time. But what if God moving was about a simple God moment? And that simple God moment became a gateway to what God wanted to do in your life. I mean, what if it was that simple? What if we could view our moments with that much potential in them? I think we wouldn't waste them. I think we'd be here today thinking a little differently. I think we'd think about conference a little bit differently. You see, imagine living with eyes open to the fact that God is weaving together this grand plan for us. And you know what I think? I think that we'd get excited about the simple God moments because maybe there's something more that's happening here. I mean, I love hearing your stories and I, and I, I love it when they, when they trickle back up to us and we get to share about them at our staff meeting and with the leadership team and stuff. The stories of God healing your bodies and the stories of God redeeming your life and the stories of family that are being reached, of divine appointments, of people who you know, arrive in the city and Google churches in Victoria and GT pops up and that same day they come here. Those kind of stories, those are the divine moments that actually create movement in people's lives. So, I'm going to take the next few minutes. I just want to look back at Cornelius' journey with you. Because I think there's something really special. And, and, and what he experienced is not, doesn't have to be unique to him. What took place in his life, I think, is a... Is something, is there something there for us to learn from? There's something that we can be taught from as we consider his life. And so I want to start with this question. As I, I'm going to give you three points. Does that sound like a preacher or what? I'm going to give you three thoughts around this one question, and that's what can I do to prepare myself for a God moment? Now, you, you, can't, you can't design the movement, but God can, right? There's some things you can't experience without the divine direction of God. But what can you do to open up your heart and your life 
to, con- to allow a God moment to take place. And I'm going to give you three thoughts, and it comes out of this verse. It was one we already read. It's verse 2 of Acts 10. And here's what it says about Cornelius and his journey. Here's where he was at. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, number one. Number two, he gave generously to those in need. And number three, he prayed to God regularly. Okay, so, so here's, the, here's the rocket science of today. Ready? Number one is simply this. If we want to prepare ourselves for a God moment, let's choose devotion. Let's choose devotion. You see, when we understand what devotion is, let me help you here. We, we have a tendency to think of getting our Bibles and sitting down and pray and read. And that's good. That's doing devotions. <laughs> we call it that. But what is devotion? Listen, devotion is right thinking about God, a right attitude toward God, and right actions toward people. That's what devotion is. Right attitude toward God and right action toward people. God-fearing and devoted. That's what that is. Right attitude toward God, right action toward people. Flowing in two directions. That's what devotion is all about. And here's the way that Cornelius says it himself to Peter when he arrives. I'm reading from the New King James Version because it illuminates the verse so beautifully. And here's what it says. For Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. Cornelius is speaking to Peter. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. What is going on here? What's actually going on here is that Cornelius is practicing his devotion. He's fasting, and then he says, that he, it says the ninth hour. Don't be confused by that. That means three o'clock in the afternoon, okay? It's just the way they counted hours in the Bible times. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, and that was the time of Jewish prayer. So in other words, Cornelius was taking what he knew. He didn't know how to get to Jesus, but he understood monotheism. In other words, I live in a Roman world with all these gods, but I'm choosing that one, and I'm going fully after him. That's my God. And so he, cho- he chose the one true God, and on that path, he began to pray, and he began to practice devotion, and he was God-fearing in that direction, and he was fasting, and as he prayed, an angel came. So his encounter was based on the practice of his devotion. So choose devotion. Second thought I want to give you here. Give generously. Now, now this is quite a disconnect. It always is. And when we talk about it, people squirm a little bit. And, and I got to tell you, if, if we're going to go where God wants us to go, we have to be okay to talk about money. It's okay. Because we all have it and we all need it. Amen? If you don't have it, you need it. If you have it, you need it. If you have it, you need more of it. I mean, it's just the way it goes. Money is real, and we have to talk about it. But here's the deal. What this verse helps us understand, and I'm going to read you a verse in just a moment, is that our, final, our, our financial decisions are actually seen in heaven. They don't just show up here on earth. And that's a bit of a scary thought. In other words, what I do with my money says a lot about what it is that I want, and it speaks to God himself. In fact, as... As God was responding to Cornelius as an angel, you know, through the angel, here's what the angel said. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Did you catch that, friends? Now, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Your prayers don't go to heaven alone. When your prayers arrive in heaven, your giving accompanies your prayers. 
Your generosity accompanies your prayers. It goes together. Your giving accompanies your prayers. And Cornelius somehow harnessed the power of that, and he was praying, he was fasting, he was giving, and as a result, he had this pathway into the blessing of God. He had this angelic encounter. The third thought I'll give you is this. What can I do to prepare myself for a God moment? Choose devotion, give generously, and thirdly, pray often. Pray often. I mean, that's what it says of him right here in verse 2. And he, Cornelius, prayed to God regularly. You see, prayer moves God's heart and God's hand. Friends, let's not forget that. Some of you are going like, hey, Andy, I kind of get this. I know this stuff. Awesome. If it's a pathway to the blessing of God, if it's a pathway to an encounter that you've never had, why not journey on it? Why not actually do it? Why not actually live it out? Why not actually be a person who chooses devotion and gives generously and prays often? And Cornelius wasn't following his own ideas here. He wasn't wasn't the model of this. In fact, it's Jesus. If you read Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so Jesus begins to give instructions about what this looks like in your life. It's not a matter of whether it should be in your life or not. It is supposed to be in your life. And as it's in your life, this powerful trifecta prepares you for encounter. It's really amazing. I mean, I have a tendency to disconnect the two. I certainly would with giving. I wouldn't put giving in the categories here, but I see it over and over again in the scripture that my generosity is connected. It's actually connected to my spiritual growth and my God encounters. And you know what? The people of this city, back in 1923, when this revival started, that birth GT, they understood this. Man, they came together. They were seeking God. They were yearning. They were hungry. They wanted more. It wasn't enough. You know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it, they were tired of dead religion. They were looking for life. They were looking for a place where the spirit was flowing. They were hungry, and God showed up. And you know what? It wasn't just a moment, friends. 96 years ago, and here we are. It wasn't a moment. It's a movement. Look around the room. Here it is, right here. This is GT. It's a movement. So I really, just as I close up, I want to speak to two groups of people today because I think God has a word for you. And I want to speak to those who are longtime followers and those who are new explorers. Longtime followers and new explorers. You know, when we think about Peter and his friends who showed up that day and saw this incredible encounter and saw the Holy Spirit fall and they were sort of taken aback, I think of those long-term, long-time followers of Jesus. Some of you are here today. You've been serving the Lord a long time. You know what? I consider myself one of those. I think I've been serving the Lord a long time, and and I'm thankful for that. But I know what happens when you serve the Lord over a long time. You create routine. You love Jesus. There's no doubt. It's not a matter of love. You love Jesus, but as you create routine and you walk through life, you realize that there's a lot more to life than just sitting in your room and praying and reading your Bible. And so what ends up happening is over time, we can get to a place where we're no longer stirred. We're no longer moved. There's not a freshness in our life. And so the question that I want you to ask yourself as I ask myself today was when was the last time that I personally had a fresh encounter with Jesus? When was the last time I had a fresh encounter with Jesus where I was moved, where I was stirred, 
where maybe there was even a little bit of an emotion in it because I was so impacted by the reality of who Jesus is. And here's what I'd say. It's time again. It's time again. It's time again. You know, the Bible says that we've all been given the one spirit to drink. In other words, there's a cup and it flows from heaven's gates. It's filled with the spirit of the living God and every single one of us can drink from that cup. Every one of us, friends. And we can be filled again in a fresh way. And it only takes a moment that then can become a movement in your life. Second group of people I want to talk to are those new explorers. I kind of think about Cornelius, and, and, and I just, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that's full of new life. So many people that are just brand new explorers in Jesus. And here's what I want to say to you. Let's let that excitement, that enthusiasm, that optimism, that passion, that hope become more than just a moment. More than just a moment because it's about a continuation of that faith. And so here's the question I want the new explorers in the room to ask. Okay, God, what's next? Just like Cornelius, I called for Peter. What's next? I'm listening to Peter. What's next? Fill with the Holy Spirit. What's next? Baptized. Listen, that's the question you got to ask. As a new explorer, okay, what is next? I'm finished with the message. If I can just kind of let my heart come out for a second here. I know, I really know, that in you is a deep yearning. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced more than ever that there is a longing for God. There's a longing for more. There's a longing for a fresh filling. There's a longing for something real, something deep, something meaningful, something transformational. There's a deep, deep longing in God's people. I know it to be true. And I got to tell you, that's why I felt almost 10 months ago that we were supposed to take the month of November and make it a time where we focused on the reality and the possibility of having a spiritual awakening. Because the yearning is there, I really believe. Maybe it's been in the quiet of your heart. Maybe it's been in those moments you're alone. Maybe it's been when you're driving down the road and you see something that you just don't like. You see people that are doing things. You see the need on the street. Maybe you read the newspaper or you watch the news and you just feel like, God, we need you. But maybe it's just really deep down in, your, in the quiet of your own heart, you just feel like, I, I need God. I need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And I'm saying, come on, let's drink together. Let's drink together. Let's let moments turn into a movement. Once again, I want to invite you to come and be a part of conference. That's the theme. That's the heart. Some of you might have some barriers, work schedules, finances. I get it. But listen, Wednesday night, Sunday all day, We're really believing God's going to move. We're going to hear different messages throughout the day. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. I want to invite you to consider coming. Let's have an awakening together. This could be a moment that turns into a movement. Pray with me, would you please? Just bow your heads for a moment. As we begin to pray, I just just want to remind you that even in this very moment, the Holy Spirit is already working Maybe you've got what you need already out of the message. You can just go to prayer and just start talking to God right now. 
let your own prayers, you know, you, you can drown out the sound of my voice with them. But for those of you that are still leaning in to listen, listen, maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. I want you to know that choosing devotion is a starting point. I mean, there's so much that Cornelius didn't know. He was like a Roman in a Jewish, leaning into a Jewish idea. He, there were so many things he didn't know, but God met him anyway. God saw his yearning and his desire, and he met him anyway. And God doesn't show favoritism. And listen, if you're here today and you're saying, I want to come to Jesus, he's saying, welcome home. That's what he's saying. He's inviting you in right now. Choose devotion. In other words, say to him, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord I know you've done the work and paid the price for me. We talked about that during that communion moment, but I need you and I want you and I'm choosing to be devoted to you. I want you to know that Jesus answers a prayer like that every single time. Maybe you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, but you need to choose again devotion because the focus has been off. There's been distractions, and we all can understand that. Maybe today is a day for recommitment to say, Jesus, be Lord again in this life. I'm choosing commitment to you. I'm choosing devotion to you. Right thinking, right attitude about God, and right action toward people. Lord, I'm recommitting myself to you. I really do believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people about their giving. I think there's a sense that God wants to connect the dots for you on some of the barrier that you're experiencing because there's not been a priority on giving. Listen, this isn't for the church's benefit. This is for you. Really. I want you to know that God may be speaking to you about your regular giving to the church. He might be speaking to you about what you're going to do to bless the world. He might be speaking to you about what you're going to do with heart for the house in a couple of weeks. And I think that's all great. Those become mechanisms that allow you to step into the freedom. Those become moments that can start a movement. But what needs to happen in your life is you need to see that this is a, an area where I haven't submitted to Jesus. I'm not doing my finances right. I'm not honoring God in my giving. Listen, I want you to know that there may be a spiritual awakening on the other side of getting that sorted out and letting go. When I was reflecting on this idea of a prayer life, you know, choose devotion, give generously, pray often, I really felt like God just gave me one little phrase, and that was create space. Create space. I felt like what, what God was saying is there's people in the house that need to just literally sit down with their calendar and carve out time making an appointment with God and trusting that God's gonna show up because he will. Create space. So God in heaven, thank you for turning simple moments into a powerful movement in us. Thank you, God, that you are at work in your church. And thank you, God, that we are hearing you. We're hearing your spirit as you draw us, as, as yearning grows in us for more of you. Lord, we know that that is generated from your heart because you want to pour out your blessing and your spirit upon us. And so we say together, Holy Spirit, come. We know that you are here, but we want you not just in our hearts. We want the overflow. 
We want to experience you. We want to see you at work around us. Give us eyes to see that. Draw us in. Lord God, I pray that you would work in us in a powerful way so that we might be the people of a brand new revival, that we might be people who are moved in heart by the work of God in this very day. And so in Jesus' name, we say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Awaken us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to invite you to stand with me all over this, uh, this room, and we're going to lift our voices one last time in song. And, and I, um, I know that for some of you, there's some time of reflection that's needed, and I want to encourage you, would you take that time? Take a walk. Find the beach. Find a quiet spot at home. Find a reflective moment. Talk to God about these areas of your life, because he's at work in your heart, and what he's doing in you is so good, so we trust him for it. Amen? Amen. All right, let's sing together.